rundown. Um, technically, we're always recording, so sometimes this early stuff, by sometimes I mean almost all the time, this early stuff makes the podcast. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. It's probably going to be a little different today. So this is uh, usually Brian. Actually, we're just going to start recording right now. Oh, I haven't hit the buttons yet. Oh, you haven't? Are you lying? <laughs> can you guys can you can you guys hear me right now? Yeah. I'm just wanting to make sure. Can you? Yep. You can hear me. Okay. We cool. got you. You got us. Yep. Yep. Cool. Beautiful. All right. Well, hey, um, I'm just gonna get rolling. Neil Karsten is with us today, and so is my friend Corey. And I'm not just talking about myself because that's really weird. Uh, Corey McIlvain. What's up? It's gonna be like an echo chamber in here. Whoa, Corey to Corey. It's amazing. <laughs> I was thinking that we should have like our very own like um, like '90s sitcom or '80s sitcom kind of like Corey and Corey show or something like that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so anyway, um, so Corey is also with us here in Underground. Um, hey, Michael, man, why don't you tell us what you do real quick before we jump in with Neil? Yeah. So my role, I came on sometime last year during the pandemic. A great time to start something. Totally. <laughs> uh, God, that's tot- awesome. Yeah. God totally pulled me out of some other things in uh, the underground, and I had known Corey for quite a while, uh, myself as well as this Corey. Right. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so I jumped in because I'm super passionate about students and uh, wanting to see micro churches and just kind of disciple making, you know, orientation with students in the high schools all around Kansas City. So underground was an obvious jump in uh, after a lot of other <laughs> closed doors and like. Yeah, so all I'm trying to do is catalyze student ministry things and see students disciple and reach other students in their schools. Beautiful. Beautiful That's stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, and so this is actually the first podcast. Um, I don't know how many we, we've we've been doing this for about a year, Neil, pretty much every week for a year. And right. it's uh, turned into something that's been pretty fun for us to do. And then one of the kind of the primary ways that we've just kind of uh, continued that that slow drip of, of training and yeah, so I'm always thinking of like my friends and, you know, DMM weirdos throughout the world <laughs> that we can talk about things with, learn from stories. And and so we're kind of in this like greater uh, series. We're always in like a series within a series where uh, we're talking about barriers to the movements, um, basically to disciple making movements in general. And that can be macro big picture barriers like we're going to talk about today or really specific barriers like, Hey, I have a real hard time, you know, talking about serious things with my friends or whatever it is. Right. Um, and so that is the greater topic we're going to try to tackle today. We're going to try to tackle the topic of the current church model, uh, or the Western kind of what, what do we, we often say steeple church, uh, the steeple church. That's a good one. Or like, uh, that, uh, older paradigm is one thing that we sometimes say, or yeah. a legacy church, whatever, whatever yeah. phrase you want to say that uh, is both respectful, but also be like, okay, we got to change. We're going to talk about that as a barrier to movement. But before all that, I want to know about you, Neil. Who are you? Where are you? What's your history yeah. with DMM stuff? And yeah. welcome. Yeah. How much? Okay. So let me just ask this. How much time do we typically go for on these, <laughs> on these podcasts? I, I, you just, so you opened up a can talking about traditional legacy church sorts of stuff. I got to know what sort of time frame are we working with roughly? You got, you got a lot to say. I can tell. Yeah. Like, wow, that's a good sign. That. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, we're probably going to be, usually we try to keep it under 45 minutes. So yeah, you, you can go into detail, but not detail. Yeah. You know? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. 
Um, myself, I live in Holland, Michigan, which is closer to Grand Rapids, Michigan, for those who are familiar. Um, was a pastor in a traditional church for including my internships, all that sort of stuff about 10 years. And then it was me and one of my best friends. I was just praying with him this morning. I actually invited him to be on this <laughs> without wow. even asking you guys, That's cool. but uh, he wasn't. He wasn't able to. He wasn't able to join. Was his um, name also Neil? Because that would have been <laughs> no. That un- would have been unbelievable. <laughs> um, no, and so we were both pastors at very different churches, but we'd grab coffee. And the thing that was just completely gnawing at us was, man, we know how to fill up these churches, but are we actually making disciples? Yeah, that was the question that was just gnawing at us, and so. We didn't know what in the world we were doing, but we just thought, okay, we need to get all hands on deck. We need to see active participation rather than passive participation, you know? And we thought that the answer for that was house church. So we started doing house church in my, in my house. And um, this was completely a side thing. You know, we were doing this on some Wednesday, Thursday night or something like that. And um, without even knowing what we were doing, we accidentally started a mega house church. And so we had 60 people who had come over to my living room and it was, I mean, the Lord would do sweet things there. We'd have homeless people who'd be doing their laundry while we'd worship Jesus. We'd be seeing um, demons cast out of people. We'd be seeing just worship taking place. Um, But we had nobody movements, all that sort of language was not on the radar at all yet. And um, that's when a guy who was kind of mentoring my friend said, oh, you guys should meet up with these other guys who are doing similar stuff from this ministry um, called Big Life. And so we met with them. And that was our first conversation where we heard of intentional movements. And we heard of it in India and Pakistan, Afghanistan, and came away from that just feeling like, man, I am swimming in the kiddie pool of ministry. You know, I'm hearing of these people literally being martyred for the faith and like disciples making disciples and like thousands of simple churches, all that stuff. And I'm just like, um, and so I went to a little retreat with them and then they invited us to a training. And that was the first time that I actually got some tools in the tool belt to be intentional towards this. And I drove home and I remember just as I'm driving home, I'm just like, man, I cannot unlearn what I just learned. That's what's going through my mind. So I get home and me and my wife start praying because we are, I'm still a pastor at a traditional church, but we just start asking God, we're just like, God, do you want us to stay at this church or do you want us to go do this other stuff? We don't even know what that would look like. We don't know how we'd pay the bills, any of that. And, uh, so we're asking God that and um, maybe a couple of days after we really start intentionally praying about that, I'm preparing for an elder and deacons meeting. And my daughter is two and a half at the time. And she comes up next to the chair that I'm sitting in and she just says, daddy, you're sewing on the path. Two and a half years old. She's, she's never, she's never heard the parable of the sower. She's never heard it. And I look at her because I heard her crystal clear, but I'm just kind of like dumbfounded. And I said, honey, what did you say? And she goes, you're sewing on the path. And I said, honey, did you say you're sewing on the path? And she goes, yeah, the birds are your friends. Wow. And I'm like, bro. Oh, dang. What? So I scoop her up. I scoop her up. I take her down to my wife and I say, honey, say to mommy what you just said to daddy. And she says the same thing. Mm. And that was the moment that me and my wife knew that we were going to be stepping into this work exclusively. So, um, 
that's how we got like and and then um the church that that i was at that i was uh helping to pastor they were just amazing i mean they blessed us beyond what they had beyond what they had to of course um to see us launched really well into doing this work so here we are in did you share michigan did you share that like word with them yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I I did. There was actually another crazy thing. So this is this is a little side note that just I I joke with people now that we must have been really hard of hearing for God to have to speak so clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, because then we told the church, hey, we're going to be stepping away to go do this stuff and all that. And um, they said, OK, hey, let's keep this quiet for a little bit while we kind of figure out what we're going to do next. Are we going to fill your position, all that sort of stuff? And I was like, all right. And then the Sunday came around where um, we actually sh- were going to share with the church. And the other pastor preached that morning. And after he preached, he just asked the church, he said, hey, did the Lord lay anything on anybody's heart here this morning? And now we're talking this church isn't like some charismatic sort of yeah. church. It's a 110-year-old reformed church out in the middle of blueberry fields. Okay. <laughs> so like you say um, did you say blueberry fields? Yeah, oh, out in the sorry. middle of some blueberry fields. Cool. Nice. And um and uh so um yeah, he asked that to the church and this woman raises her hand. And literally right after this, me and my wife are going up front to tell the church, hey, the Lord's called us into something new we're stepping on. And she raises her hand. I bring her the microphone and she says, you know, um, this doesn't pertain to the sermon at all. But last night, the Lord gave me a dream. And while I was sitting here, he told me to share a piece of it with the church. Mm. And she said, "Um, there was a group of people cutting their way through a jungle. And then they came to this cave and they took a torch and they lit the torch of one person who went through the cave and was lighting other torches as he went through to show the way that other people would go. She says, I believe somebody from this church is supposed to go and do something new. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And literally I'm just staring at my wife because I literally then take the microphone from her, go and grab my wife's hand and we go up to the front and we just say, the Lord's called us to do something new. Wow. That was me. That's me. 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 Guys, that's me. <laughs> yeah. And, and she comes up to us afterward and she says, um, Neil, in all honesty, it was you in the dream. Wow. She's like, I just didn't dare to tell the church that I think our pastor is supposed to go and do yeah. something different. Yeah. And she's like, there was more to the dream. So anyways, this could go on. But there Gosh. there you go. There's a, a brief snippet of how I got involved yeah. in doing this kind of work. So. Woo. Well, so I mean, the, that I mean that just totally goes into everything we're going to talk about today. It, uh, oh man, I, I have a yeah. bunch of things I want to say. First of all, I want to say it's funny that Corey and I are both here. I feel like yeah. even your story is similar to both of our stories. I mean, yeah. so I was I was drawn in by movement stuff. Uh, you know, yeah. I read church planning movements in college, and it messed me up in all the right ways. <laughs> uh, hearing actually Corey's dad. That was the first one I ever heard talk about that book. And uh, anyway, I, my my thought was I was supposed to go do house church. And I started house church stuff under the banner or the connection to a, a larger local church I was at for a long time. And it blew yeah. up. And we had 50 people meeting in my house and we ended up meeting too. I mean, so like so much of your story, I'm like, oh, that's my. And I know, Corey, you're similar too, like as far as just like house church and your history. Yeah. I mean, my dad was, you know, a decent sized traditional church here in Kansas City and like even for himself was starting to recognize some like 
just gaps and holes. And like, then we mm-hmm. went, we went to Chengdu, China and I was like in eighth grade, you know? <laughs> so it's like, wow. and so there was a bunch of pastors here in Kansas city that experienced an underground house church. And it was like, what, you know? So mm-hmm. they, you know, they're like back in the day on these blogs and chats, trying to chat with these different African pastors and bishops and, yeah. and, you know, as an eighth grade kid, I like to say, I, I started deconstructing church at that moment. <laughs> yeah. So, which shifted us into more of a house church, you know, community-based, more network-based type of thing. And then we were gleaning and learning from a church up in Ohio um, that had been doing house church movement type of stuff for a long time, but different model of yeah. things, but yeah. yeah. No, and, and I really resonate, Neil, with what you're saying of you can't unlearn, like you can't just go yes. back to how it was. Mm-hmm. You're messed yep. up in all the right yeah. ways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and okay, so I, so let's zoom forward a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, because a lot of, at least in my experience with house churches, I was still mostly doing church um, with other believers in a smaller yeah. setting. And all that, it was beautiful. And there was like my best friends in the world and gospel community and all this amazing, like similar things that you're describing. It's amazing yes. stuff. But it wasn't like, it wasn't, I always say, scratching that itch that I, that I, that Corey loves that phrase, <laughs> by the way, scratching that itch. But it wasn't like quite like, it wasn't like what I was hearing, you know, and, and reading about and, and experience, even talking yeah. to like, at this point, I'm like, you know, talking to leaders and being, you know, trained by Africans and Indians and similar, you know, to your story. And I'm like, oh man, we're doing church in a house, but I'm not seeing movement we're not breaking into new networks right do you do you resonate to to that part of it too oh i i think this is why a lot of the people who i've i've gotten to walk with and coach and all that sort of stuff from uh um from church backgrounds end up at some point starting a mega house church because we just don't know how to multiply we don't know the intentionality that it takes to actually multiply because it's been, it's just been ingrained in us. And this gets to the, the conversation of traditional church and legacy church, stuff like that, of um, what has been modeled for us for all of our lives throughout the Western context, 99.99% of it is centralized forms of church, not yeah. decentralized, multiplicative forms mm-hmm. of church. And so it's just been so ingrained in us. So a lot of people who end up learning this stuff, their first thing is just gather as many as you can in. Yep. And then all of a sudden, like what you said, Corey, I, I had it as well. You start a mega house church, you got 50, 60 people in your home, and it might be even awesome. It mm-hmm. still can be a really good experience, but you are basically, you've now started the very thing that you were hoping to partly get away from. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You just changed you know? the environment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so that's what, that's what we ended up running into as well. And, um, and that's where then praise the Lord, we actually went and got some more intentional training to like, what does intentional multiplication truly look like? And you got to start to rewire how you think your actions, your intentionality towards those things. If you want to truly see disciples that are going to go make disciples that make disciples and simple groups, churches that will go and start others as well. There's intentional practices that, that we as Westerners need to be really we we have to practice them to see the movement happen that i think our hearts truly desire to have happen yeah yeah so i remember a conversation i had with you when i first met you uh we were hanging out in dallas right with some of the other just movement wired people stateside dreaming about things that we've all been running with now for a handful of years so i don't know was that two three years ago 
it feels like I don't know. Yeah. I'm so messed up in time. It's probably it's probably been five. Yeah, now, seriously, it, it might have been a lot longer. <laughs> I'm thinking through that. Uh, and we had Joe Reed on just recently, yes. and and Kyle Mills, and you know, so we love to hang out with all these guys. And and I remember yeah. a conversation with you um, about this very topic about just one the current model of church, but also the the need to even personally invest and and do church quote unquote differently right like hey we want to we want to practice in this we use the language micro church a lot in our world just the 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 label we've been using for these simple expressions of church that emerge um and so like i remember i just remember that conversation i don't remember details but i just remember saying hey we want to go in on this not like necessarily you know give it lip service still do all this stuff over here and then try to catalyze this stuff over here um and i know but it's this weird it, it is weird right now right it's weird for us like we want to start new things we want to penetrate like networks of people who don't yet know jesus plant the gospel uh we don't want to just start with a bunch of christians but we still need that fellowship ourselves you know like i don't don't know if you can speak to your story of that tension or whatever (laughs) yeah this is why uh this is why i asked how much time we have um, (laughs) because there's a lot there's a lot to parse out in this but it's it's a really important conversation for us in the united states especially because this is this is what we know by and large. But yeah, for, for me and my family, I just knew we had to be an example to show the people around us that being the church in that simple way can still be the fullness of the church. Yeah, amen. And that's a really hard, that's a hard thing. So for people who are pioneering new work in new areas, it can be really lonely because you're trying to actually show people a model but that model isn't really well developed yet. Mm. And you're the one who's out front being that weirdo. You know, if you've seen that, that video of the the leadership lessons from like a dancing guy or something, it was kind of popular a little while back, but um, you can go Google it or whatever uh, at some it. point. I, 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 yeah, don't, yeah. I don't know it and I'm okay with that. You, you, now you'll have to Google it later, but um, it's of being, <laughs> being, um, one of those weirdos who's trying to show the the church culture around you that being the church in a different way can still be the fullness of the church. But for those who are pioneering that, it's really hard because it's it's really lonely. And it's not to say that you don't have fellowship or brotherhood or whatever, you know, with, with other brothers and sisters around. No, definitely not. But if we're going to truly get to the place of movements, we need people to begin to understand that what we're doing from house to house is the fullness. It can be the fullness and you need somebody to begin living into that truly. So for us as a family, when the Lord called us into this, it was really, really lonely at first. It was really hard because there weren't many others around who were doing that, but by the grace of God, then you find some others and they're willing to step out with you. Um, and, then that just continues to, to grow. And so, um, yeah, those, those first few steps there are, are hard. They're challenging. Yeah. Um, but for those who are willing to, to continue to proceed in that, I believe it, it bears some really good fruit down the road. Yeah. I remember like, uh, you know, cause again, I was like in high school when I was thinking through some of these, like being given almost permission <laughs> so, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird totally. but like i i totally felt like and it was coming from my own dad so it was kind of yeah. like yeah. Uh, even more so you know from a father yeah. figure and pastor it was like 
oh, so that's okay to do that. And that's still church. Yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that was totally like a, okay. You know, as a high, high school kid, yeah. you just buy into it and you go, you know, <laughs> it's almost like I didn't know what I didn't know. And I just started running with it. Dude, the, the fact that you had a, a dad and you said your dad was a pastor, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that blessed you with that is so awesome. Totally. You, you know, um, and so that's, that's where for us, I, I just truly believe that in this work in the West, that if we're going to see the multiplication that our hearts truly desire, we need to also learn that the fullness of the church looks different than what has been modeled for us yeah. as well. Mm. And we, we have to learn to live into that. Yep. So No, that's so, that's so good. It, it's hard because the answer to gospel movement or to real, I mean, just disciple making you know, of not yet followers of Jesus is not in a form of church. However, uh, that form is going to house that type of activity and movement and and it emerges out of it. And so I think it's just, it is just so natural for us as Americans uh, to like, Oh, Hey, overseas there's house churches. All these movements have house churches. Let's do house church. Because that's just, I mean, it's yeah. just what we know, right? We did it. Yeah. Both Corey and I did it. And it was good. But it wasn't actually making a lot of new followers. It was some and probably way better than my larger church experience still. But it was, it was, yeah. It, it, the answer wasn't doing church differently. It, that's, I couldn't agree more. And that's where I think one of our first trappings earlier on was we thought that the litmus for success with what we were doing is how many house churches do we start? Yeah. Well, the truth is you can take all the lukewarmness all around us, repackage it into house churches and not move the needle of the kingdom even a little bit. You just repackaged all the lukewarmness around you. And that's what we did at first. But then you can actually create some good numbers. You know, you can you can create some good numbers and then people will look at it. They'll be like, oh, you guys are killing it. You know, you guys are doing amazing. But in the back of your mind, you know, we actually haven't done anything. We just repackaged the the other stuff that's around us hmm. and this is that was a learning point for us because we had done that i actually still think man if if our goal was to go out and to start three thousand house churches or whatever throughout a given area i i don't mean this in a prideful sense i just think we could come up with the marketing scheme we could come up with all this stuff. We could convince a bunch of people to go do it. And then we could tell people, look at what we did and honestly not change anything. Yeah, yeah. All we did is just repackaged Amen. it, you know? And that's where instead the Lord then convicted us. The great commission isn't go and start house churches. It's go and make disciples. Amen. And that's where uh, for us, our orientation of what in this gets to what you're seeing just a minute ago, Corey, that a big piece of it though, is that, how we do meet is still important. Mm -hmm. It's still helpful. So the fact that we can meet from house to house and meet in these simple ways, it it invites an environment of the priesthood of all believers so much more readily, you know? Um, And so the environment in my, in my opinion is so much more conducive for disciple making, but it is not the answer for disciple making. In in um, so now living into that though, one of our huge things that we had to reorient in our practice has been towards disciple making instead of towards just house church starting. That's right. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, 
that was like probably the biggest realization for me was like, even in watching other house churches in North America and like even the ones that I saw do well, even within the network that we had back then was like, oh, well, it still required the very gifted teacher yeah. to be there. And it was like, oh, well, that's not, that's the opposite of the goal. You know, it's like, now we need yeah. way more of them. because yeah, we just need more better teachers and more yeah. houses yeah. that will do this. And it was like, a, yeah. you were almost doubly trying to convince somebody into yeah. something different who had still those high level giftings, the only people that could really pull it off. And it was just like, that's just yep. like, that is not conducive yeah. to movement. You know, it's that's like, yeah. that still requires the singular individual who has all those, you know, gifts that you can measure and show your potential donors. Like <laughs> truthfully, you know, like that's like yeah. ultimately what it was. And it was like, mm. That was a big shift for me. Even in doing some of it, it was like in the midst of it. Well, we were doing discipleship, but the way that we were um, pushing out or the way it was, it was backwards, you know, and I, that's, that's yeah. been a really helpful shift for me within the underground stuff. It's just like, that's why things emerge out of things later. They don't start there, you know, and I think as yeah. yep. humans and Americans, I think we also, we love to look at the fruit and just imitate the end result right. you know because right. it's easier to do that it, hey, and we're, it's, we're doing that too yeah, <laughs> yeah and, it, and it just makes you feel good you know it's like no we're doing yeah. that and but <clears throat> recognizing that how you sow the seed and where you sow the seed does matter and, and the process yeah. of patience and waiting on god to move is everything yeah. <laughs> so, so you know yeah. I, I think one of the questions that i was thinking through when you were talking was like what were some of the other big shifts that you guys started to make mm -hmm. so it was like you came out of yeah. this traditional model, right? You kind of started doing house church, but you, you recognized at some point through sounds like the movement training and everything um, no. that something else needed to change here. And so what were the things that you kind of looked at within the house church model? It was like, yeah. we're just imitating, but how were you imitating? And then what were the shifts you needed to make? Yeah, there are, there are honestly a couple, a couple of things that I feel like were very important uh, for us, one of the one of those was as well as even then when we started doing the discipling side of things, I feel like we tried to package our discipling like a program. Yeah, totally. You know, like, and you know, so you got your binder, you got your training tools, you got your stuff, and you can get people to go pass on a binder. You can get them to go pass on tools, but there's a big difference between passing on a binder or passing on tools in comparison to passing on the essence of God. Mm. Preach it. And so that's the sort of stuff where what we're talking about, we want to see happen has to be miraculous. It has mm. to be God. It can't be just passing on of tools. It can't be just passing on a training manual mm. or a program. We need the living God to be infused within people. And then that goes and gets multiplied mm. within others. So that was honestly probably one of the more heartbreaking seasons for me was when we packaged it all up like a program yeah. because it becomes legalistic. Yeah, and then you can, you can put the burden on people of numbers and different metrics. Right. And they know that if I can go pass on this program or this binder or these tools, then I can, and you're passing on some really bad stuff, legalistic stuff. And we did that for a season. And honestly, we burned some bridges and it breaks my heart. Like I have faces, I have names who are partnered with some of those things that I wish I could go back and mm. re-walk with, re-disciple. Like, oh, wow. and, and 
praise the Lord. Some of those people were more patient with us than we deserve. So they're still around and they got to like help, you know, some of the people just aren't. And that breaks, that breaks my heart. So that was one of the main things. And that's where for us, we just learned, are the tools important? Yes, they are. But we talk about like, there's tools, then there's principles that we try to live into. The principles are founded in the word of God, like the principles of multiplication and of loving one another and things like that, you know, but we can even make the principles an idol. We can make multiplication an idol set. We can make good things an idol, but we need God. So that was one of the big things that was a learning point for us. And our discipling had to become way more relational. Mm -hmm. It's not to, it's not to neglect. Don't get me wrong. We still use some tools. We still use some training stuff. It's not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it had to be reoriented in our hearts and in our minds. Um. Yeah, so that was, I, I, I want to like, yeah, I love that. Uh, you got, I know you have two things and I want to hear the yeah. second one, <laughs> but that, that, that first, I mean, that is so, so good yep. because again, I feel like Neil, I feel like, I feel like we're the same person and half the things you're communicating, I'm like, did we have, the, did we live the same story? I mean, you, you have a kinder kind of Northern Midwestern <laughs> accent, you know, but it's like, bro, I mean, I'm uh, the first thing I did. Right. Is I was like, dude, let's just freaking train everyone and their mother and how to do discovery Bible study. Like that is what that yeah. was. My, and so all we did is we took the program of a DBS, um, even though it's really not even a program, it's a way of disciple making to your point. Yeah. And I took that and I just inserted it into whatever paradigm they had in their mind of what yeah. disciple making is. And all of a sudden I do this and it's like, it's not working. Well, it's like, well, there's about 500 reasons why that's yeah. the case, but I just took a tool and did it and reproduced it. And I think yeah. one of the biggest things that we need to repent of, of, of some of us early pioneers in the, kind of this kind of thinking in America is like, yeah. one, we think we know the answers. Uh, two, we spend a lot of time uh, just destroying the, the bride of Christ and mm -hmm. trying to convince yeah. people. And three, we just think that we can uh, strategize our way into uh, with tools yeah. into movement. And so we're yeah. just, we're learning the same things, man, in the last yeah. five years. It's like, okay, we've learned how to pray and fast in a way that we never yeah. were doing before. Uh, we, we really, yeah, we learned how to train towards uh, what we, I call like the, the DNA of movement, yeah. right? Much more than just the tools. So dude, I'm yeah. with you. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. That's and, and I feel like that's, that again, is just, it's kind of our, our Western mentality. We are so program oriented and all that sort of stuff that we're trying to figure out how can we fabricate movement mm -hmm. instead of truly like, and yeah, without going all back into it, but I'm right there with you. Um, all right. Number two, what's number two. Yeah. I, I think, I think one of the, another major thing that somebody encouraged us in heavily, which has become a, a very important part of what we do now is up front, um, whether it's somebody we're leading to the Lord and we're about to baptize them or somebody who's already a believer background person and they, but they want to get involved. We make sure to have a very intentional count the cost conversation. Hmm. Um, and the, the reason being for one is it's what Jesus did. You know, the, the masses would come to him and they'd come because they saw, they got fed or they saw the miracles and all this stuff. And he, he would just, he would love them enough to sit down and, and say to them, are you really sure you want to follow me? Do you know what you're saying yes to right now? 
Do you know that it entails picking up your cross and following me? Do you know that your family's going to hate you? Do you know that it involves giving up everything you have? Um, and this is where I still think in the Western context, the scripture makes it very clear that unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it goes on to bear much fruit. And I still think in the West, we're trying to figure out how can we see movement, but have as little cost as possible. Wow. Yeah. And um, so like, we'll get people who will call us up and be like, Hey, we hear you guys do house church. We want to get involved in all this stuff. And then I have to talk to them about, well, we don't just do house church. It's more about disciple making. I have that conversation, but then I'll be like, um, you know, if you're, if your heart is not desirous to be a disciple who goes and makes disciples, um, I, I love you, but there are 200 other churches around me right here. And I will gladly encourage you to go and join one of those. Yeah. But if your heart is to be a and I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect at this, but if your heart is geared towards that, I want to do whatever I can to serve you and to walk with you to see that happen. But this is where now the people who I walk with specifically, I have even a bunch of scriptures that I walk through that just talk about the narrow road, talk about the one who wants to save his life must lose it. That talks about, you know, they hated Jesus. They will hate you as well because that is promised to us. And so now when a people, when people say yes to that up front, when they're going and being faithful and they get hit with that cost, we can point back and say, remember, Mm -hmm. we knew this was coming. Yeah, and so we have that now, even before we baptize new people who come to the Lord, we say, we're, we're not begging people to go get baptized. We're actually stopping them and saying, hold on. Mm -hmm. I just really want to make sure you know what road you're signing up for. That's really good, man. And so that has helped us actually now, like the intentionality then from the starting line, is towards my life isn't my own. It is geared towards the kingdom of God. So we're not begging people to get into the waters for baptism. Yeah. We want to make sure that the work that's happening by the spirit within them is true. And don't get me wrong. This isn't about them becoming good enough for baptism. That is not it. That's not what I'm saying. Do not mishear me with that. But it's just them acknowledging that the road they're walking towards is in partnership with the Lordship of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I got one quick story, uh, before we got to start to wrap it up, man, we're going to have a Neil series. <laughs> I'm going to come, I'm going to bug you again, bro. <laughs> um, all right. So I was, uh, hearing some of my friends talk overseas, uh, and I think they're, I think they're in some middle Eastern contexts of movement and they like, okay, we, when we baptize people, we ask them three questions, you know, one was about repentance. Uh, yep. one was about the Lordship of Jesus. And then they say, are you willing to die? And that wasn't, that wasn't just a, you know, fun little thing they said. I mean, it was li literally, mm -hmm. it's accounting the cost thing. And that stuck with me. And so when we started baptizing people, uh, I would basically ask those three questions. I would soften a little bit the third question. Basically, <laughs> are you all in? Are you all into this? Like, were you forsake all for this? Yep. And, uh, and so it's, what was great is I've told that story to lots of people. And so when, whenever we're even trying to baptize, um, I'm just trying basically 
to step away and allow others to do the baptism, you know? And so my friend who yeah. ended up baptizing a lot of people in this one network, uh, that he actually asked the third question every time, are you willing to die? And I love that. And I kind of like giggled to myself the first time he did it. Cause I was like, Oh, he just, but I, I also, I love it. It gets to the heart of what you're saying is that account the cost is important. Yeah. So the, the interesting thing in the Western context, this is one thing that I believe we have to be preparing people for, whether directly from the harvest or church background people, is overseas, they experience the full gamut of persecution in many places. Yeah. The, they experience the social and the physical, you know, whether it's beatings or imprisonments, things along those lines. We right now in the United States, by and large, uh, don't experience the physical side of that. But we need to be prepared now for the social side of it. Amen. People need to to be they need to be prepared that when you live into the new life, the the resurrected life, that now it's going to look weird to your old friends. It's going to look weird to your family. They might not call you anymore. They might not want to hang out. And from a lot of the brothers and sisters overseas that I've heard testimonies from and such, they say, you know what? Honestly, it wasn't the physical side that was the hardest. It was the social side. So that's where for the people now who are going to start living their lives for the kingdom first, we need to now as Westerners be prepared for that social persecution. And we got to start discipling our people that that's normal. In, instead of telling the people here in the West, no, you're, you know, we don't have that. That's just over there. We do have it here. We just don't have the physical side as much right now. Oh, true. Good. And so um, it's just something to consider as we're discipling and preparing and asking the, the people who we walk with to stop and really count the cost. Yeah. Mm. One thing I kept <clears throat> just hearing was um, just thinking through the lens of like, we're so heavy on truth, like you were talking about the first thing. Um, and, and sounds like one of the biggest shifts was like, you know, uh, being able to worship both in spirit and truth. And that was like a big, Hmm. I don't know, a big shift too, for me personally, where it was just like, uh, yeah, you can have all these tools, walk somebody through this thing. And it's like, it's all the right things, (laughs) but like, if there is not the presence and spirit of God that is moving and you don't allow, the space for that to be conducive within all relationships as well as whatever you want to call it, micro church, house church, like it's never going to do anything because without yep. him and understanding that it's not going to go anywhere, right. but like we sw- we're just, I, it's just the human nature. We swing the pendulum so far to one side or the other. And then, or you also have yep. so many environments, especially in North America where it's so divisive, you know, it's where like, okay, we're the spirit people over here and we're the truth people over here. And it's like, <laughs> it should, it should be the reality. I mean, how that, did we get there? I know, yeah. I'm with you. but it yeah. should be the reality that these, the, the environments we're trying to create are that conducive environment for both to exist and to worship Amen. the father and get on our faces and just plead, you know, together Amen. as one in unity for him yeah. to move. Cause that's what it takes. And it's like the other parts, it's like, we can keep trying to play that, run that play. unless literally you know the god the creator of the heavens and the earth comes down and moves man we're just spinning you know and it's like gotta create environments that that is so open for him to move in yeah so yeah like within our within our work right now around here i mean we could parse out a lot of other learning points those are just i think two of the immediate ones that came to mind um, that have been really helpful to solidify 
um, and further uh, multiply some of the work around around here and beyond. You know. Yeah. Right. Well, hey, I'm I'm excited for future Neil episodes to be able to unpack more of those learnings. Um, I know we didn't even really get in much about you know. So you're connected with Big Life uh, Movement Organization. What's give me give me 20 seconds on what Big Life is. Yeah, so we're an organization doing the same thing that others are doing. Basically, we're just trying to be disciples that are learning to be faithful in their backyard. So all the, all the people who come um, on board with us as Big Life uh, are practitioners in intentionally multiplying in their backyard, such like that. And our work really began overseas, though, very persecuted areas of India, um, and then went in um, into Pakistan and Afghanistan, seeing radical Muslim converts to the Lord doing the same stuff underground there. And then uh, a few years down the road, the guys who started it were from Florida and they just said, we're seeing God do amazing things over there while our backyard is in ruins, referring to the United States. And they said, why wouldn't we do the same stuff that here that we're telling our brothers and sisters overseas to do there? So that's what began uh, our work here. And I ended up coming on board with uh, the ministry shortly after they decided to be intentional towards North America. Yeah. So uh, good. Yeah. I love big life, man, running the same, same lanes that we're running in. And also mm-hmm. just it, with, with 2414, you know, 2414, yep. a network of basically a, a meta network of movement organizations all around the world. Yep. And so we're, yep. we're running with that. I mean, I know that you've taken some cool leadership uh, with that on, in the, the American setting. So I've got to see your beautiful face a couple times on zoom. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's been fun, man. So Neil, thank you. Seriously, dude. Um, all right, we got one more thing to ask of you. Yeah. Uh, so we like to end our podcasts where essentially you would speak over us. And, uh, oh. like, and so if there's, <laughs> he got really excited. He just, rubbed, I, he rubbed his I hands together. Um, no, but like if, if the oh. Lord is even, pressing anything on you for us as a network or us in Kansas city or just something that really God has been pressing on you in general, uh, for the church, not to put you totally on the spot, but boom, wow. you're on the spot, brother. If you have anything to speak over us, we're all ears. Um, I was praying with, with, so, so my, one of my best friends, Brent, who really, we've been just hand in hand with the work here in Michigan and such like that. I was just sharing with him this morning, how this was on my heart, you know, the, the crowds of people were gathering around Jesus and um, all of a sudden this woman who's just bleeding just reaches out and touches him. And there was such a uniqueness to her faith mm-hmm. that God knew it. And I truly believe that if we're going to see throughout North America, the things that our hearts desire, it has to be miraculous. And we, we need to start like truly praying and desiring and just realizing, God, we need you. He won so many battles in the past in so many different ways. Some of them were very con- conventional ways of winning a battle. Some of them were weird as all get out. You know, but we just need to, to be in step with God. Um, and so my encouragement to my brothers and sisters around is that Uh, we would realize how much we need God. We would come before him with prayer. We would not trust in our own wisdom, all that. And um, I hear, I hear in you guys' tone already. It sounds like you're living into that. Like I, I, you know, the little snippets I've heard here is I praise the Lord for that. 
But I just, I partner with what the Lord is already saying to you to just say, let's be that woman in the crowd of so much could grab God and he would realize power has just gone out from me. Like, let's be that unique in Lord. So like Jesus, I pray that our faith sincere would be so sincere it would be real it would not be based upon our skill or our might or our ways but i just ask god by your spirit god please by your spirit Mm -hmm. increase our faith for the work around us in our own backyards throughout north america i pray over my brothers and i just say thank you for them lord god give them strength perseverance to endure when it's hard and I pray, God, that you would pour out of yourself, that people wouldn't say, look at what Corey and Corey have done. But I pray that you would use them and people would say, look at what the living God has done through these men and the people around them. Mm. I pray that for me too, God, and for all of us around. Amen. Amen. That's what's up. Neil, love you, brother. I will be bugging you love again you. soon. All right, man. Love you guys. Hey, thanks. Thanks for uh, this time. I'm blessed by you guys sincerely. Amen. I'm in. Talk to you later. Corey's out. Boom, 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 boom. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.